Hello, welcome everyone. Uh, it's been a while. This is the 30 podcast. I'm Mike Vorkanoff, joined as always by my uh, business partner uh, and 30 co-editor in chief, Jared Diamond. Jared, how are you? I'm just glad we're doing a podcast again. It's been a while. Yeah. Good to get uh, back in the podcast train. Everyone's doing it. We haven't done it in a while, so like, why not? And we're trying to be modern, twenty-first century with this thing. Yes. And today uh, we have a fantastic guest on the line. Uh, that would be James Wagner, baseball reporter, Mets beat reporter for the New York Times. Uh, James is a previous thirty Q and A guest back when he was still at the Washington Post. Now he's moved on up to New York. He covers the Mets now. He sees Jay Horowitz on a daily basis. Uh, James, how's it going? It's great. Yeah, Jay uh, usually has some sort of like joke, to, you know, sort of thing to make fun of me uh, every time he sees me, and mm-hmm. uh, he's on his like usual kick about one of my recent stories that he can't let go. So, yeah. Wait, is <laughs> it sounds like Jay? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is it the story we're going to talk about? Because then we should have Jay on as well. Potentially. Okay. And we uh, have a surprise <laughs> guest. It's Jay Horowitz. <laughs> <laughs> My ears are ringing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wonder if Jay knows what a podcast is. I think he no. probably does. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if he's ever listened to one, but he's probably aware no. of their existence. Unlikely that he's listened to one, yeah. Uh, Jared, uh, just bookmark this. Um, Jay Horowitz, Mets PR chief, uh, next podcast guest. Absolutely. Jay, if you are, if this is the third podcast you've ever listened to, Jay, we all love you. <laughs> uh, so, Wags, uh, thanks for coming on. Listen, uh, you wrote a fantastic story this week um, about, and I'm reading the headline on uh, NewYorkTimes.com, the supermarket cafeteria that Major League Baseball players love. Um, it's about uh, Bravo which is a supermarket in Port St. Lucie, which Jose Reyes and a bunch of other Mets throughout the years have frequented, have uh, loved their food, and it seems to be like kind of a through line um, for Latino Mets uh, players over the years. And just, um, you know, I think we both love the story. We both, uh, you know, rave to you about it. And I mean, can you just kind of go in, into the process of finding and reporting that story? Yeah, oddly enough, uh, I think it, it, it even interested some of my own editors because we have this thing at the New York Times, like the New York Times Insider, where like we try to kind of like, you know, pull, peel back the curtain on like how our journalism is put together, uh, you know, just explain like how we did. So they asked me to write something the other day, too, about it. Uh, so not to repeat myself, but kind of the same thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think sometimes the best stories, I mean, two, the two things that I think that helped me find the like good story ideas i think one of them is just being like a normal human being like i guess it sounds stupid but like you know where do people eat like you know where do people shop it sounds really dumb and i'm saying this a lot but you know what do people do in their free time like just like think like a normal human being you know athletes you cover are normal human beings too like what do they do How, where do they do those things so selfishly you know i was like this was last spring when i really originally tried to do this story my first Bring here with you know covering the Mets uh, and you know one of the Mets minor leaguers uh, who's Latino as minor league officials sorry uh, who's also Latino and you know we're just chatting shooting the breeze watching a practice and I mentioned you know half selfishly following my own stomach like you know where can I go get some good you know Latin American food you know I'm Nicaraguan American you know I don't I don't I, I mean I cook some of the stuff my mom showed me but you know here in spring training I'm in a hotel for all these weeks I'm not really making it myself so I was craving some rice and beans and plantains. And he mentioned a like a chain 
uh, called Bravo, you know, which is like a, it's a it's a supermarket chain. I've seen them in New York too, I've seen them in other places in Florida, but there's one not that far away from the stadium, um, the spring training complex, where you know players have been going to for a long time. He mentioned that he loved it, um, and that some other minor leaguers did. So I was like, he went to lunch there. Uh, you know, the place was really vibrant. The food, uh, you know, Venezuelan pastries, Cuban coffee, uh, Dominican style food, Puerto Rican food. It was awesome. There was a churro stand right there, or churro stand, sorry, uh, depending uh, who's listening. Uh, and then the supermarket itself, it just had all the products, uh, Caribbean, Latin American products that you, you know, normally wouldn't find in a supermarket. So I was like, this is really cool. It's a slice of home. Um, and then I asked some of the Mets players about it. Jose Reyes, Ahmed Rosario, uh, and their eyes lit up and they're telling me how they'd be going there for a long time. Uh, I asked around some of the other Latin American players too. Uh, so I was like, oh, cool. This is a cool story. I, I checked with my editor. He was all for it. You know, kind of like a cool, like slice of life story. And, you know, I could never, you know, pin down a time to go with Jose Reyes. You know, he is like kind of veteran of the bunch, you know, and he and I had a good rapport, uh, you know, like, Hey, Jose, when you're going to go, can a photographer and I tag along? Like when next time you, Juan Magaris and Rosario, go together, you know, can we tag along? He was all cool for it, but last year was the World Baseball Classic. He was playing for the Dominican team, um, and I went to cover the first round in, like, Mexico. We could never find the right time, and the story passed. Well, uh, he got re-signed by the Mets. Uh, he's back in spring training. So is Rosario. So is Lagares. So is Uriz Familia. Um, finally pinned down a time with Reyes. You know, I went with Reyes. We hung out with him, took some awesome photos. Um, and then before that, I, you know, I called uh, you know, I stopped by the place, met the owner, we talked on the phone, and, you know, what I thought was just a cool slice of life story of where they go eat, you know, kind of like the cultural connection to home is through food. You know, the owner of this franchise uh, was a former minor league player, uh, Dominican, born in Dominican, raised in, in, in New York, uh, Washington Heights, actually to be exact, uh, you know, f- you know, flamed out as a minor leaguer. He kind of understood these guys' uh, process, you know, what it was like coming to a foreign country, you know, kind of missing home you know, the connection through food, feeling comfort in that way. And he kind of connected with them. And not only did he own the place, but, you know, he had like a room in the back with, you know, Mets jerseys where Rosario used to go sit and eat. Uh, he'd been, you know, feeding these guys to the cafeteria, everyone from Carlos Delgado to Beltran back in the day, uh, you know, all the way up through now. And not only that, he had a home kind of that he owned, he didn't live in, uh, that Rosario rented a place from some other former minor leaguers, not Mets, but minor leaguers that didn't amount to anything uh, that worked in the meat department now and that rented a place at his home too. Uh, so it was just kind of like, Oh wow. Like, you know, it's more than this. It's like the, the owner himself was uh, kind of bridging the gap for these guys as well. So, you know, it turned out to be a little more interesting than I thought it would be. And I just, you know, it was just, it was just cool. It was vibrant, you know, between the photos and, you know, and the connection, all, how all these guys were connected uh, through a place to eat, through food, through this owner, through baseball. Uh, and that's my kind of long winded, uh, explanation and, and kind of going back to like what I said is that, you know just like living life uh, you know kind of asking people how they live their lives leads to you know sometimes leads to something interesting and and my other thing that I think that leads to like I think maybe to you know, good interesting stories is, is that I ask people why a lot you know I ask you know why do you do that or you know what do you eat or what, what do you do or why do you do that and sometimes it leads to something interesting so you know I think that's kind of a, in a nutshell how I got here. So one thing that really stood out to me reading the story, and you touch on this a little, is Jose Reyes started going to this place when he was with the Mets the first go-round, which was now a long time ago, Carlos Delgado, Carlos Beltran. Now we're going back a decade in some cases. So essentially this story has been out there to be written for a long time, and no one wrote it until now. I'm wondering why you think 
it took so long for someone to sort of jump onto a story that this has been going on now with these these Latino players for a long time. Uh, why did no one write it until you know last week? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I think it's a better story when it's like different eras of Mets players that have been going there. Like, if it was just like you know, say back in the day, and you know, whatever, oh seven, oh eight, you know, if if it was Delgado, you know, and, and Beltran back in the day, or Luis Castillo, like it, you know, it's cool. Like one group of like established players going there, but I think once the certain eras it's been passed down and other players have gone, I think that makes it stronger that way. Uh, but also, I don't know. I mean, like you know, obviously, um, you know, you know, one obvious uh, thing is you know is that. You know, that the reporters, you know, aren't all there aren't that many Spanish speakers uh, and there aren't many ones, say, that additionally understand like the culture. And like, you know, I don't know. I mean, the p- people interpret culture and, and you know, cultures manifested in different ways. Um, and for me, and, and maybe in other parts of Latin America, the way I grew up in Latin America and, and being around it, it was a lot through food. And I'm sure other cultures and other you know ethnicities and other countries can relate to that, too. But, you know, food is kind of like the kind of central point, uh, focal point. So I think I don't know. I mean, maybe. The way I grew up, the way I connected to it, the way I maybe I just like think with my stomach, I guess. I don't know. But, but also like the language, like, you know, being able to connect with these players and, you know, maybe having the thought to like, it's not, everything's not just what's on the field. Like, I think you can get wrapped up as a reporter when you're covering a team. And, you know, thankfully I work at a place that I don't, I don't have to worry about, say, the incremental small stuff all the time, to be honest. So I'm lucky that I have the benefit to pull back and do something like this. Uh, but sometimes, you know, too often, you know, maybe as a beat reporter, you are worried. And, and I've been there before um, at other places where you're worried about like, oh, this guy pulled his hamstring or, you know, what's the bullpen going to look like on opening day? Like, and so you're, you're too worried about what's on the field and you're not really chasing uh, or, or looking for the other interesting stories that kind of show uh, in greater depth, like who these people are um, and kind of show, you know, the, the, the cultural aspect. Because, I mean, these clubhouses are a mix of, you know, Venezuelan, uh, you know, Dominican, Japanese, the Ruben, uh, you know, Mexican players, you know, all this mix, U.S. players, this great mix of culture. And it, it's a shame to not also write about that just as much as you would, uh, you know, the, the, the strategy or the kind of fun side of the game itself, too. Well, James, I, I want to ask, because you did mention you, you've written about, <clears throat> you know, food specifically before. Like, I'm looking at a story you did back when you were with the Washington Post um, about kind of the Dominican baseball players, uh, you know, with the Nats, feeding visitors uh, with food from their home countries. And, and you know, it is kind of like a way of expressing um, your culture and your nationality and, and something that we don't see. Um, and, and you, I think you made a great point about how sometimes it's just good to ask what athletes do. Um, you know, that's, I guess, for lack of a better word, normal, using scare quotes all, all around it. Um, yeah. And, and it's not the like the sometimes the deification or the otherness that we put around uh, pro athletes. Um you know, what is it when you go about trying to report these stories and even just think through them and because you're going to be presenting these people uh, to the public at large, how do you how do you think about like presenting them as um, as people, as uh, people representing their cultures and their countries? Um, how, how do you think through this entire subject? Well, I mean, like, um, <laughs> I mean, like I, like, I said, like I said before, I just try to think like a regular person. I mean, I don't I mean, I think maybe I've just written about food because I think that's an obvious and easy way. Um, but also because I think that, you know, I, I mean, you, you can view sports really like narrowly and I don't mean narrowly in a bad way, but just like, like I said before, the game, the strategy, uh, the technique, uh, but you can also look at it broadly and like, you know, politics, business, uh, culture, whatever it might be. And, and, and I just somehow think that, you know, maybe that appeals to a broader audience that way. 
you know, when you can have a cross section of different like you know, genres to say, I mean, sports, sports and politics, uh, you know, with the stuff maybe you read in the news right now with what's going on with the minor leaguers in baseball or like the tax code in baseball. That, that's interesting. Like the people that might not care about baseball uh, might be more interested in that. But uh, also, like, what are other things like an average like human life that, you know, you eat three times a day? I mean, so food is obviously important to you and me. Uh, so, you know, why, you know, why not find a cool story that connects all of that stuff? So, I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of like, you know, try to th- I just think like they do. I mean, or not they do, but like just ask them, shoot the breeze with them a lot. You know, I. I don't know. I mean, you know, I just ask them like what they do, what they do in their free time, just get to know them. Uh, you know, I ask off the wall questions. I mean, obviously it's off the record on background just to feel them out, just to see, you know, just like casual conversation. They get to know you, you know me. And, and sometimes I walk away thinking, you know, like, Oh man, maybe I should explore that or, or connect the dots here. Or, you know, like, you know, last year, for example, I wrote a story about, you know, Latino players that had learned English by watching friends. Um, and that was just kind of like, I don't know. I, I cover Wilmer Flores on, on a daily basis here. Uh, he, he plays for the Mets and, you know, he's talked a lot about him. His walk-up song is Friends. So it was like, kind of obvious that he loved Friends. He's talked about that before and he's mentioned how he learned English that way. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, like maybe back in my mind, I'm like, you know, maybe he's not the only one. And then so kind of going through my day, you know, like, you know, covering the team and, you know, covering baseball throughout the year. You know, I, I remember hearing that Luis Severino of the Yankees had mentioned Friends as one of his favorite shows. And I, I don't remember where I came across that. I think he saw it. He said it on a TV interview, and then the light bulb went off. I was like, "Wait, so there's multiple people that multiple Latino players that like watched Friends and like and like it. Like, wh- what is this Dominican player and this Venezuelan player? Like, wh- why Friends?" And so I just started looking, 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 and asking. And that's like just regular life. I mean, it's television. I mean, a lot of people watch TV. You know, that would appeal to a broader audience beyond just say baseball. So I don't know. I just kind of just live my life, I guess. And, just think about like what I do in my free time. What do they do in their free time? Uh, you know, what they eat, how they hang out with their family, what they do, uh, what they read, what they watch. I don't know. I mean, all this sort of stuff. I mean, I don't think I'm even answering your question, but I just try to put myself in their shoes and try to understand what makes them tick and, um, as human beings and people and, and athletes too. You obviously, and you touched on this before, like you, you obviously are able to speak with these uh, Latin, Latin American players in Spanish, uh, you speak Spanish, like you mentioned, you're Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan American. Um, and I imagine that would be, that's extremely helpful when dealing with the uh, one third of major league baseball players that are native Spanish speakers, maybe even more now. Uh, I'm curious, a sort of a multi-part question, but a, what would you say is the sort of state of coverage of Latin American baseball players right now? And B, what needs to happen for it to improve? How important is it for there to be more Spanish-speaking baseball writers that are prominent and able to talk to these guys? Because it's something that I can't do, Mike can't do, and reality is most baseball writers don't speak Spanish. Yeah, so as of like right now, uh, I think it's like 29, 30% of major league players are you know, foreign-born Latinos. Um, and that does not, I think as far as I know, include the U.S.-born. And so obviously guys like you know, Gio Gonzalez, who's born in Miami, I don't think he's including that list, so it's probably more. And then in, in the minor leagues, uh, it's like 40%, I think, the last estimate. I'm not sh- sure the recent that was, but 40% of the minor leagues would be, you know, foreign-born Latinos. So just imagine, like, you know, pick whatever beat you might cover as a journalist or, you know, if you cover politics or, you know, you, you cover the school board. If you couldn't cover 30 to 40% of your beat, like you just could not connect with them on a deeper level, could not communicate with them. You know, obviously some of these players, uh, you know, have been in the United States or they've, they've been exposed to English. 
they can speak English well. Like you can talk to them. Like you know, they understand that this is like the the language of their business, of their sport. That they, they need to speak it for their interviews and for their career. So you know, e- even if you don't speak Spanish, you can still communicate with them. But for some of them, not very well. And, and obviously, you can't like maybe get them to trust you or connect with you on a deeper level. Just you know, think it, 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 you can put yourselves in their shoes and imagine like you know being able to speak thoughtfully and, and deeply on an issue. And when it's not your native language, like to think that you would maybe one be misquoted or not really to, to give it the depth uh, that it deserves if you're doing it in another language, you know, it's really hard to do. So I think just the ability and, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, I was just, I was born into this. Uh, um, my mom, my dad met my mom in, in Nicaragua. They got married. My mom was really strict about only speaking to me in Spanish and my siblings. And then my dad spoke to me in English. Um, and my mom would not answer me if I did not speak to her in Spanish. And, you know, as a kid, I was ungrateful for it. But now I'm very grateful uh, for you know, how strict she was uh, and the places we live to and places like, you know, to, to learn and practice Spanish, obviously. So I, I'm lucky. But, you know, I, I would just encourage that, uh, that, you know, whoever covers the sport from now on or people now just, you know, make your effort to I mean, learn Spanish if you can. I know it's obviously not easy, but I mean, it makes a huge difference. Like these guys automatically feel comfortable and they know they're not going to be misquoted. And it's not just understanding the language, but the culture, you know, like, you know, what is important to like a Dominican player isn't the same as a kid, as a kid born and raised in say Southern California, like their life was not the same. They grew up differently. Um, the expect, you know, the, the cultural differences too, like, you know, importance of family or, or, or language and music, uh, you know, education, things like that. Like, it's just not the same. So, you know, I think just understanding also their culture and that's something I've also had to learn too. It's, it's obviously being able to speak Spanish gets me say in the door with a lot of them and, and makes them really comfortable. But, you know, understanding say Dominican culture and Cuban culture, you know, or Venezuelan culture or Mexican culture, Latin America's huge and diverse. And you know, from the way they speak to who, the things they eat to how they speak, some of the slang that they used to, I've had to learn some of that stuff too. And, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's been fun. Uh, and, and in that sense too, it's just not, like I said, not just language, but culture and sensibilities that you kind of pick up and have to learn. And, and just to stress, like, you know, I think I've seen it. It's gotten better. I've seen maybe more Spanish speakers covering the sport or, or people that make the effort to learn it. Uh, it's still not there. It's still not enough. I think, you know, I, I don't can't put a number on this because I have not really counted this and I probably should one day, uh, probably on a handful, uh, I could count on a hand on two hands, maybe a little more of the Spanish fluent Spanish speakers uh, that work for an English language outlet uh, that cover baseball like, regularly. And, you know, there's other guys that, this way before me, uh, obviously that you know did a great job and kind of you know were pioneers in this. You know p- p- people like Pedro, Pedro Gomez, uh, you know Jesse Sanchez at MLB.com. Like these guys were awesome, and they've been doing this for a long time. Um, and you know they uh, kind of exemplify like you know and add the depth to the coverage. And, and hopefully you know one day rec- newspapers recognize and outlets recognize the, the depth of stories and coverage that can be provided when you can cover let's say 100% of the team. Uh, instead of say seventy or sixty percent. I'm wondering, James. Um, have you have you talked to any players about this? Like, have you talked to them about the dearth of um, Spanish-speaking baseball writers that cover them and that talk to them on a daily basis? Like, do have they said anything about this and just how they feel about the way that they're being covered? That's a good question. Actually, I don't. I don't, I don't think I really asked them. Like, I, we joke around, and you know, usually when you know a new player is there, or like. If I'm new to a beat, you know, I've uh, introduced myself and I introduced myself to the Spanish-speaking Latinos, and you know, I tell them like, you know, I'm James Wagner. I mean, my, you know, I explain that I'm Nicaraguan American, and they can obviously see that I'm a fluent speaker, a native speaker, and 
Uh, and, I, and sometimes I even joke, like, you know, I'm probably, I think I'm the only one, obviously I'm the only one here that speaks Spanish too, and maybe the only one you've been around. And, uh, you know, I think they laugh or they smile. I think they, I've never, I don't know if I've ever asked them if I am the only one that they've been around. Uh, more than likely, probably, uh, unless they were on another team where I say maybe some of those other reporters I mentioned or elsewhere. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've asked them, but I think it like immediately resonates with them. Like when they, uh, kind of trust you and, or, or like they, they gravitate towards you or you can really level with them on things or they can tell you what's going on or really open up about stuff. So no, I, I don't know. I mean, I know they notice, I'm sure they've noticed it too. Um, especially, you know, especially in the advent of the, uh, Spanish, uh, Spanish language interpreter program, the last, I think what two years ago, three years ago, when it was required that every team had a Spanish language interpreter in the clubhouse at all times um, for reporters, but also to be used to say within the team, say if a coach needed to talk to a player or, or someone from the front office. Uh, I think you know maybe they've realized uh, how more helpful that's been to the players, uh, the players themselves. Uh, but no, I, I mean maybe I should, maybe I should talk to them more often about uh, like how you know there's really not other guys like me. But I, I think you, they know it. Uh, I think it's just kind of unspoken, I guess. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, transition to something a little bit different um, and talk a little bit about your job. Uh, you obviously, as we said, you work at the New York Times. You came from the Washington Post. Um, the New York Times, obviously, is a it's the paper of record. It's, the, it's a national outlet, international outlet in, in many ways. Uh, and they cover sports, obviously, a little bit different than a lot of other places might. Uh, you're on a local you know, New York Nets beat for a national outlet. So I guess my question is one, sort of how, how would you sort of compare the, the New York Times sports section, how you guys do things maybe to a typical uh, newspaper sports section? And two, how does, how does what you do, being a, a beat writer for a New York team, sort of fit in into that larger vision that the New York Times has? Yeah, so like, so like, I think you're gonna set it already. Uh, and pardon me for these like long-winded answers. I feel like I'm, I'm just going off on tangents by myself. But we like uh, that. Go ahead. And, and before uh, you go but, on, James, I just want to say that for the record, um, I, I think it killed Jared to call the New York Times the paper of record. I think he's going to be fined by the Wall Street Journal for that. Uh, I just, just assume they're not listening. Okay. Yeah, that, that's probably the better assumption. Never mind. Go no, on. But it, I, I mean, retract. It's like a, I mean. It didn't say you agree with it. It's just it's just a nickname. I mean, it's a letter known, so like he's not disputing it. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I guess because like 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 Jared already said it, we're an international and national newspaper as well as serving the New York area. Uh, so I think just when and you know, Jared, you, I know you and I've talked about this stuff before, but like when you think of stories, uh, you you can't just think of like um, how do they appeal to Mets fans? Like I, I think on average, like if you're a hardcore diehard Mets fan and you know consumes every little bit of information about the Mets I mean New York Times might not be your very likely not be your like you know your first place to go like the the tabloids that are around all the time you know they have like two to three Mets stories in the paper every day like you know if if the backup catcher sneezes like and and pulls his hamstring like it's in the paper like they have that covered uh and you know we have to recognize that because you know say people are in London are reading us or people in California large you know large readership there or like you know people and say we we've expanded to like australia like you know you know would they really want to read a story about the backup catchers like you know pulling his hamstring i mean no offense to them but obviously like you know we have to serve a large audience um as well so like we have to find the stories that are most interesting to a lot of people um and you know there's larger themes uh maybe on this team or like i said like you know 
cultural stuff like I was talking about before that could appeal to you know, people that maybe necessarily wouldn't know that they were, you know, wanted to read about the Mets. You know? uh, so I think in that way, I, I think about our coverage or I think about myself on a daily basis. Uh, like, you know, what stories can I find that are really interesting and speak to a larger theme? Like, you know, let's say the story about, you know, the manager or a coach or a player that speaks to something, a larger trend in baseball or the sport as a whole. Or sometimes if it's just a good, interesting, uh, fun and really compelling story about a Mets player, um, it's got to be really compelling. I just write that because, you know, that's a really, really, really good story. That, that could be someone on the Cardinals, someone on the uh, Twins, you know, whoever it might be. Like, it's a good story. It's a good story. It'll appeal to anyone, like, if it's got those themes. But, you know, sometimes, you know, so I'm kind of balancing those things and trying to figure out what, what story can hit a broader audience. Uh, but also, you know, there's like, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, going to do the incremental stuff, um, maybe as much as I used to at other places. Uh, but there are still certain, like, big stories that happen on the Mets uh, beat um, throughout the season that I still have to cover. Say, you know, last year, you know, Matt Harvey got suspended, you know, for, you know, not showing up to the stadium. Uh, you know, he got suspended for three days without pay. That is a story for us, obviously. That's a big story, no matter what team you're covering. That is interesting, compelling. People know who Matt Harvey is. And he also, he did, did something that was very notable. Uh, so things like that, you know, big injuries, big games, big performances, uh, you know, big names. Uh, those are obviously um, important things that we're going to cover. Um, and so, you know, I think I don't know if I'm answering your question, but there's a lot of different things to juggle. And I think about on the, you know, going back and forth with my editor, I'm trying to find the right way. Like, is this something too incremental? Is it too small? Is this worth it? Should I spend the time doing a smaller story, kind of a quick hitter on this? Or should I spend the time pursuing the bigger, larger story that might appeal to a broader audience and then doing that? And it's kind of a constant, like, I don't know, to use a baseball analogy, you know, hit a double here. Or should I hit a single here while I'm loading up for that home run later? Should I just only hit home runs? Uh, you know, kind of that. I mean, you still have to cover a beat. It's kind of that balance of uh, you know, different depths and breadth of stories. So. All right. Well, James, that was great. Uh, really interesting stuff. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and sort of taking us through your process and some of the work you're doing. It's really cool. Um, everyone should go follow James on Twitter, read his stuff. On the New York in the New York Times on Twitter, he is by James Wagner. Uh, you also find him on, in the pages of the New York Times and on NewYorkTimes.com. James, is there anything else you'd like to plug, or anything else you want to tell our listeners before we sign off for the week? Uh, no, just uh, keep reading the New York Times. I appreciate it. and subscribe if you want to. I guess I mean if I could chill, I guess that's what I'd say. Feel free to yeah, chill, do, James. Do that, but also subscribe to the Wall Street Journal as well. It's good to. Subscribe to both and all media, not just one. Yeah, and, anyway. I, and, the, and the athletic too, I guess. I mean, read many outlets. It's yes, and the athletic. But we have actually not done a podcast since Mike's are working for the athletic. He's covering the Knicks for the athletic. Uh, so go support him as well. So, oh, where you guys been then, huh? Yeah, we, we haven't had a podcast. We've, we've been out a while, a while James. A we've been of, out a while. It's Yeah. What, we've been, we've been, it, you know what? I don't need this from you, okay? We, I thought this was going to be a peaceful kind of like detente type of podcast, and and here you go with the pot shots. All that I want to say, like James, I, I waited till James, the last minute to do that. James, on our next podcast, we will talk about the Wu Tang Clan or any any other of your interests that we didn't get into uh, into on this one. Yeah, nineties hip hop, uh, Tribe Called Quest. Um, what we can am go I? Way more modern than that too, actually. If you want, I to. didn't know you had modern influences. Um, 
I mean, it, it just, just pick the music. I mean, I could, uh, I mean, I listen to jazz, I listen to classical music, I listen to rap, you're listen think, to reggaeton. You're into Lord, right? Right? If I have that Keep right, going. you're into Lord a lot, uh, a lot of Lady Gaga. Um, what am I missing? I haven't said no. I haven't said no. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm saying that truthfully. We've, I think we've been <laughs> listening to music before at, in the Mets uh, press box because we were so bored by the games. <laughs> Okay, well, it's a long season. It's a long that, season. That was a very long-winded outro. However, thank you everyone for listening and returning to the Thirty Podcast. We'll be back soon. We have another couple more podcast guests lined up for the next couple of weeks. So, if you like this one, if you have any guests you'd like to hear on the podcast or in a written Q and A, please reach out to us at Thirty Newsletter at gmail.com or tweet me at Jared Diamond. Or Mike at Mike Vorkanov, right? Mike Vorkanov? Mike yeah. underscore Vorkanov? No, just the under- Mike underscore is gone, I no think. No underscore. Underscore is gone. Just at Mike Vorkanov. Or just at and 30 I'm, Newsletter. Or at 30 Newsletter. So I'm Jared. That's Mike. Thanks so much for joining us.